Good evening, church. It's so good to be here. I remember for the past two years, God shut my mouth. And whenever speaking invites would come up and people would ask me to speak, I never felt led to say yes. And then sometime about two months ago, I remember the exact spot where I was walking at McRitchie. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Waijia, will you say yes? And I was so shocked. I said in an audible voice, yes, Lord. I will say yes. Two days later, Pastor Yang texted me and said, Why, Chia, can you come and speak? <laughs> of course I said yes. Today, the title of my message is Saying Yes. And I want to share um, this slide with everyone. We're all familiar with this passage. If you would turn to me to Luke, first Luke, sorry, Luke 1. Luke 1, 28 to 38. Now, every one of us knows about this story where the angel of the Lord appears to Mary and tells Mary that she's going to be carry Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, Mary is a little, little maidservant. She's not somebody who has a PhD, someone who has high reputation in society, but she's really just this little girl. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, if an angel of the Lord appears to me, like, what would I do? I'll probably be like, oh! But Mary, in the Bible, is really honest. It says that she was greatly troubled. And in fact, she is so human that she actually says, she actually says, how can it be since I am a virgin? And some of us might look at that and think, oh, she doubted. Actually, she doubted. But if you read on, in verse 38, it lands with this. She says, I am the maidservant of the Lord. In some versions it says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And when I think about this, it brings me back to almost 15 years ago when I was an 18-year-old. And I remember the Lord speaking to me. I'm going to be sharing with you three stories today. And I hope that through these stories that you'll see a glimpse of yourself and your walk with the Lord. So several years ago when I was 18, I had just received the Lord. I had no idea what the Bible was about. <laughs> to be honest, I hadn't even read all the Gospels once. And I remember this, I just had this unspeakable longing to go to Nepal on a mission trip. And at that time, I didn't even know what a mission trip was. I just made some cold calls and, you know, finally one organization decided to take me in and said, oh, we need help in Nepal because there's the Maoist uprising. Nobody wants to go there. You want to volunteer or not? <laughs> So I said, yes, yes, I want to go. Guess what my father said? <laughs> so my father is a traditional Chinese responsible parent. <laughs> and I love my father. But at that time, he was really shocked. Imagine this, you have a daughter, and I have never stayed over at a friend's home. I have hardly ever even come home past 10.30 p.m. And the first thing that comes out of my mouth when I see my dad, right after I have accepted Christ, is um, that I want to go to Nepal by myself to stay in a children's home. My dad totally freaked out. And he's, he's still a pre-believer, but God has been, you know, working in his life. And I remember having this talk with him night after night. Dad, would you let me go? Dad, would you let me go? And he, being so responsible, said, no, how can you go? I don't know anybody there. People are burning flags on the streets. What are you talking about? 
And I'm sharing this story because today there are young people, you are sitting here today, and one of the convenient excuses that you're saying is that, oh, my, my father said cannot lah. My mother also said cannot. Actually, they're both Christians, so if they say cannot, it must be from the Lord. <laughs> and I see all you nervous parents, they're shifting in your seats. Oh my goodness, this preacher is telling the children to rebel against me. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what I mean. But what I mean is this. Have you pressed in to seek the Lord enough? Have you pressed in to ask the Lord, Lord, is this really from you? And if it is, would you not trust that He is the Lord of even your parents? Would you not press in and yield and struggle and wrestle with Him in prayer and say, God, if this is from you, change my parents' hearts. Speak to them, provide a way. Because guess what? I prayed this every single night. In fact, at that time, I did not believe in God like 100%. I had so many questions, but I was like bargaining with God. God, if you are real, then change my parents' mind. And I knew it was impossible. And one day, my dad comes home from work, and he's completely bewildered. He has this blank stare on his face, and I'm like, Dad, so I can go or not? <laughs> it's this dance every night. And he looks at me, and he's like, yeah, this is so bizarre. And I'm like, what? So my dad has a very small company of five people at that time. And he says, so one of my staff told me that there is a Singaporean missionary coming back from Nepal. And she says that she wants to meet me next week because she's coming back for a break for two weeks. And she's telling me that she can look after you there, keep an eye out for you. And I look at my dad and I'm like, yeah, let's do it, let's meet. So he buys her dim sum. And when he comes back, he's like, I think I can let you go. And I think to myself, how did that happen? What changed? What shifted? It was the Lord, and it was that pressing in in prayer. I want to show you a couple more photos. If you just keep the slides up just for a while. So these were the children that I met and I stayed with. And over the past... Um, you know, weeks that I stayed with them, what happened was that they were evicted out of their homes. And in Singapore, when you, get, you need to move homes, you, know, you just call up the movers and they move everything for you. But in this home, the girls, the littlest girls, from the three-year-olds all the way up to the 12-year-olds, they were all having to move things. And my heart broke when I saw three-year-old Joy, three-year-old Joy picking up her scrunched-up socks and underwear, tottering down this rocky path, trying to load everything on the lorry. And they had to be disenrolled from school. These are girls who had topped their standards, and they had to be disenrolled to move to a completely new neighborhood within a week. And it was because the landlords had to do this, because they wanted more money from them. And this happened year after year after year. And when I left, I just felt such a breaking in my spirit. I remember the missionary pastors, they dropped me off at the airport in Kathmandu. And I literally turned back and I ran to him and I said, this is so stupid, this is so, so silly. But what if I could help to buy them a home? What if I could help to buy them a home? What if I could paint something, like a picture book? And can it raise funds for them? And I remember the pastor looking at me bewildered. And he looked at me and he scrolled on a piece of paper and he said, Waichia, yes, you must do it. Go back to Singapore, visit this person. And I did. And so the whole story of Kite Song was drawn on that aeroplane. And by the time I touched down, it was my birthday the next day, I went to these people and they said, yes, 
if you can learn to paint better. <laughs> so in three months, I taught myself, you know, in the aisles of the National Library, this little, little girl who didn't have any credentials. So everybody was telling me, you should not do this. You need to apply to medical school, become a surgeon, be someone really famous. Be somebody out there, and then you can do something great for God. But this one pastor said, no, you have to do this. And I'm saying this because there are many of you here who have dreams in your heart, and God has placed them there for a reason. The dreams you think are coming from yourselves, and you think, okay, I can't do it, I'm too small, I'm going to bury it, I'm going to suppress it. If, it. if it goes deep enough, it will go away. It will not. So in the next three months, $100,000 was raised. This was not by me. God moved the hearts of people. I hardly spoke a word. And I was just overwhelmed and overtaken by this. And if you read Luke 1, 28 to 38, you will see that in Mary's bewilderment, the angel assured her, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Do you believe that with your dreams, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you? When I got married, the girls made me promise. They said, you must come back. You must bring your husband. Every two years, I would visit and say, Didi Waija, are you, are you married yet? <laughs> so finally, I brought Cliff. And this is a picture of almost the same girls seated in nearly the same positions 10 years apart. And I want you to just look at this picture. There are dreams inside of you that are waiting to be birthed. And you're afraid because you think to yourself, I can't do this alone, and it's true. But God is not asking you to, to, to make those dreams come to pass. He's just asking you to be a vessel. He's asking you to say yes. And when you say yes, that is when miraculous things can happen, things beyond your imagination. So to the young people out there, and even to the older people there, please say yes to God. And if you're one of those parents shifting uncomfortably in your seats, continue to shift uncomfortably. <laughs> Believe in the possible, choose to press in. I want to share this other story because there are many of you who are married or want to be married, and you think to yourself, okay, I want to do all these crazy things for God, and I'm so afraid because my spouse will think I'm crazy, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, you know, my loved ones, my family, they'll all think I'm nuts. And I want to share this with you. It is true. <laughs> so be prepared for that. And what happened with Cliff was that he, okay, he, he is somebody who really swept me off my feet. He had liver cancer when he was 10 years old. He went through an Ironman event, which is, you know, a 3.8-kilometer swim, followed by a 180-kilometer bike ride, and then he went on to do a full marathon after that. A bit crazy, right? Yeah. But I told myself, if someone needs to be married to me, he better have that kind of stamina. <laughs> so I picked him, <laughs> or rather God chose us for each other. <laughs> and... What happened was this, just before we got married, Cliff had a liver crisis. And we went into panic mode. Nobody knew what was going on. His liver enzyme just shot through the roof. He couldn't explain what was happening. None of the doctors knew what was happening. They did test after test after test, blood test scans, blood test scans, and no conclusionable answer. 
And finally, they had to do a biopsy. And during that entire time, I told myself, Lord, I am scared. And suddenly, all these people who were mentoring us and who loved us suddenly told me, they said, Wai Chia, maybe you shouldn't take the relationship to such a serious level because this is a very high-risk guy <laughs> and you have a bright future ahead of you. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, what does this mean? And I remember the Lord asking me, would you say yes? And I froze because I didn't want to be widowed early. I had my whole life ahead. But when I finally grappled with the Lord in tears on my bed every single night, I finally said yes. And the biopsy results came out. And it was normal. And none of the doctors could explain what had gone on. Up to today, it remains a huge, bizarre mystery. And the only thing I can think of is, God wanted me to grapple in that spiritual wrestle to trust Him. But I kid you not, a year later, when God had really burdened in our hearts to you know, go on this missional journey, I was sitting in Pastor Yang's office, and I asked Pastor Yang, where should we go if we had a year off? Where should we? I don't know. They want to wait until the end of our lives, you know. I don't know if Cliff will still be around. So we're like, you know, make every day count. And I remember being in Pastor and Pastor Yang said, Uganda, you must go to Uganda. That's where they need help. And I was like, oh, no. Because it's complicated. Cliff is immunocompromised. He cannot take the yellow fever vaccine because it's a live virus, etc., etc. It's very complicated. You don't want to know that. But... Suffice to say, he can't go to Uganda. He needs a vaccine card. And he can't take it because of his medical condition. So I'm thinking to myself, I can just tell Pastor Yang, no, we cannot because of this reason. But I'm there stunned and I'm dumbfounded. And he says, Waijia, you must trust the Lord. <laughs> and I was like, you don't know what it means to be just married. <laughs> But a huge miracle happened, and that is for another sermon. But finally, we were in Uganda. God opened the doors, and we were there on a recce trip. And I told myself, I was still bargaining with the Lord, so please don't think I'm like, you know, very up there, because I wasn't. I was in Uganda, I was bargaining with the Lord. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, the first thing I'm going to do is to find a hepatologist for Clip, because you must show me that if we're going to serve you here, you will take care of us. And guess what? I went to the best hospital in Kampala. Very nice. Walked in. Receptionist. Whew. Look at all the departments on a whiteboard with red markers. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, they have no hepatology department. And I try to find something that can give me a bit of hope, but there's nothing. And I walk out. I'm really despondent. I'm really sad because the implications of this are severe. And there's this voice that rings in my head. I kid you not, before I left for Uganda, I sat down with a medical missionary and he said these words to me, these exact words. Waijia, you are being medically irresponsible to go to Uganda with Cliff because of his condition. And those words stuck with me. 
I went through night after night of panic attacks. I wake up in the middle of the night drenched in sweat. I couldn't explain it. I just needed to check if Cliff was breathing. And I struggled with this, but who to tell? So paisay. And so I struggled with this night after night. And finally, when I was in Uganda, I was like, Lord, I'm through. I am done. I'm so done because I don't want to lose my husband in the mission field. I don't know if I can keep the faith after that. And we are there, and I'm about to walk out, and there's this tall man in white who walks to me. No, it's not the angel of the Lord. But this tall man walks to me. He's an African man, and he says, you are lost. And Tim would know this because you've been in Uganda. You are lost is Ugandan slang for, can I help you? (laughs) So I said, yes, yes, I need help. And I tell him the whole story. And he takes out his name card and he says, ma'am, I am the medical director of this entire hospital. This is my personal cell phone number. If there is anything that happens to your husband at all, even a slight fever, you may call me at your convenience. And at that point in time, friends, I could have just gone down on my knees because I felt the Holy Spirit just overshadow me and overwhelm me, and I felt God ask me, can you love your husband more than me. And so if you're seated here today and you're worried about your loved ones, about losing them if you say yes, be worried. Be very worried. Because your heavenly Father loves them so much more than you can and ever will. Since then, I have been set free. I've never had a single panic attack in my life because of losing Cliff. And not only that, now we can fight like normal couple. Don't have to be scared that, oh, later you, something will happen to him. (laughs) So trust the Lord. He will take care of your loved ones. We were there for a year. Miraculously, some of our friends had malaria about five to six times in the same year we were serving. And Cliff was malaria-free. Malaria attacks the liver. So supernatural protection. So trust your heavenly father, choose to say yes at any price. And I wish, I wish, I wish I could tell you this wonderful story to say, you know what guys, if you put all your trust in the Lord, guess what? He's going to prosper you, he's going to bless you, he's going to return you, your loved ones and your husband. But I don't know that. The truth is that if you want to say yes to God, you must be prepared to give up everything that he asks you to. And if you say no, he will choose someone else. I want to share the last story. Okay, before this, trust your heavenly father. Many of you have children, or will have children, and those of you who are single, You mentor spiritual children, and they are very dear to you, right? One of the big reasons we don't want to say yes to God is that, God, I have so many responsibilities. I have children, I have my job, I have so many things. And when I became a mother of a four-year-old and then a two-year-old, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, so many things to jaga and think about. Uh, How to say yes to God now? There were two years in our lives which were very traumatic. We had moved from Singapore, we had moved from Uganda to Singapore, then Canada, US, Canada, US, Canada, Singapore. It was very traumatic because I also delivered two babies outside of Singapore. And 
by the time God said, you have to move back now to Singapore. I had just had a baby. I had just had traumatic moves, a dozen traumatic moves. I, I'm telling you, when we move, uh, I don't know why, a lot of drama. <laughs> One time water flooded, the other time water pipe burst, fridge broke down, <laughs> very drama, <laughs> very stressful. And finally, I came to the point where I said, God, I don't want to move back to Singapore. We don't have a home anymore. I don't know what job I'll take. I don't know what Cliff's going to do. It's a mess. But God said, I want you to move back. And he gave us a date, and I was scared. My two-year-old was a late speaker, but there were two things that she could tell me. She could not understand travel, but she said, Mama, I want my owl backpack, and I want my ice cream truck. So this is the ice cream truck that you saw on the screen. These two things were her preciousness, her whole world to them. And this was given to her by Cliff's mom. So Nai Nai gave it to her over Christmas. And she said, I want this. And Cliff said, we can pack it. And I was like, no, 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 no. We are not packing this thing into our bags. And I remember praying in desperation. I told the Lord, I said, God, I need a Singaporean Sarah. Who is a Singaporean Sarah? So in the States, we had a very good Christian friend, Sarah. And she had two little boys at that time. And she homeschooled all of them with a little girl who didn't belong to her. And she was a wonderful, wonderful mother who loved the little girl like her own. And I said, God, bless us with a Singaporean Sarah because when we move back, we need help for our transition. We don't have strong grandparental support. We don't have this community support that we thought we had before. A lot of things have changed. And of course, Cornerstone is the constant but we were, we were still struggling. I said, God, provide one Singaporean Sarah to help us look after our firstborn Sarah faith at times so that when I go back to work to finish my contract, Cliff can get some rest. And one day out of the blue, a lady contacted me via Facebook and she said, Why, Chia? I am Cliff's ex-colleague and I know this is very, very weird, but I have two little boys. And she said, I wonder if I could look after Sarah Faith once in a while because I've always wanted a daughter. I know you think I'm weird, but I also homeschool, and these are pictures of my kids. And in the second picture, I saw a picture of her little boy, and in the background was the exact same ice cream truck. <laughs> I looked at the phone and I was like, what? And then the Lord spoke to me and he said this, Waijia, is there anything that you want that I can't look after? Can you love your children more than me? Down to the ice cream truck. So I took Sarah there and then I had to take her home and I went down to the HDB playground to play. And then a voice says, you're Waijia. And I turn around, who are you? And she says, I read your blog. I read your Facebook. This is my number. If you need any children items, you come to me and my friend, and we will help you. And I was like, wow, thanks. So I take her number, and I'm very paisay because I was like, the owl backpack, the owl backpack, I couldn't find it. And my, 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 my four-year-old keeps asking me, three-year-old at the time, where's my owl backpack, where's my owl backpack? And I keep telling her, mommy's looking for, for it, which technically is not wrong. <laughs> I just couldn't find it yet. So I, I very paisy, but I texted her, 
Do you have a backpack? It doesn't have to be this our backpack, but as long as it's not a Disney princess, it's okay. And she texts this back to me. She says, ah, goosebumps. She said, she told me the story. She said I was supposed to donate this whole stuff, whole bag of stuff to Salvation Army or to somebody else. And she said, my daughter, she said her daughter, picked out the owl backpack and put it back in her own room. And she said, I gave everything else, but there's only this one backpack left and it's sitting in my storeroom. And she said, are you from Cornerstone, by the way? I said, yes. There's a Rick and Annie Chiang there, right? This backpack is from them. Flew from Bishan to Bukit Batok, now back to you. And now my kids and Cliff are in their house watching service online. <laughs> so they became a huge support to us even before we had met proper. And I want to close. Today, you have a choice. You might be saying, I have no choice. I can't. I cannot. The truth is this. You do have a choice. And today, you can take the leap. You can choose faith. You can choose courage. So today, I want to urge you that if there's any part of you that is struggling with a dream in your heart, that you can't wait to set free or you really long to bury and suppress because you feel you can't do it anymore. Know this, you cannot, but your heavenly Father can. So choose to say yes today. Thank you. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.